Thank you for downloading the IA podcast. You can listen to all our episodes on Podbean, Spotify, Apple, and YouTube. Enjoy. How much is current volatility in financial markets driven by fear or uncertainty about future developments rather than concrete economic news? Does the climate of opinion, the mood of emotion of the times affect the economy? And if so, by how much? I sat down to discuss this with Dr. Ali Kabiri, who is head of the Department of Economics and International Studies at the University of Buckingham. Dr. Kabiri recently co-authored a report for the academic journal, The Economic History Review, on the role of sentiment in the US economy, 1920 to 1934. The research explored how sentiment moved the economy at critical moments in the 1920s. He discussed the findings of this research in an IA blog post, links to both pieces of the work are included in the show notes. Could you explain to our listeners what business sentiment is and and how do we measure it? Thanks, Kieran. Um, That's a very good question. I think over the past 15 years or so, we've had quite a lot of economic volatility crisis in 2008 with the great financial crisis, the Eurozone crisis in 2011, COVID and now in a war situation, um, people are much more conscious of the change in perceptions about the future. Um, There's a great deal of uncertainty. Uh, So these factors, I think, are are becoming things that are more important. So so when we look at business sentiment, it's it's focusing uh, on those kind of ideas about perceptions of the future. and human factors in decision-making or perceptions about the future that we're trying to tap into, specifically in the business uh, and financial communities. Now, I mentioned uh, uh, uncertainty um, around those crises and uncertainty has become a big topic. People like uh, Nick Bloom at Stanford has done a lot of great research on this. Uh, It's research that I would direct your, your listeners to um, looking at the aggregate level, so overall at the macroeconomic level, uh, how much uncertainty there is. They, they use digitized newspapers for that macro kind of idea about uncertainty in the economy. And they also do micro level stuff, looking at business surveys. Um, so, so individual businesses, if, if they write about what they're doing and they can be asked, how do you, you know, feel about this? What level of confidence do you have about the future and so on? So, so, so these types of um, variables, I guess, measuring uncertainty has become a big deal. What we do is is focus more on the human emotion side of it. So we're trying to tap into the, the human emotions, not just the specific idea about uncertainty, because there's probably a lot more going on uh, w- when people are making financial decisions uh, to invest and so on. So, so this is work... Um, with David Tucker uh, at UCL, uh, who, who runs the Center for the Study of Decision-Making Uncertainty. And they're 
they they gather together psychologists and economists and computer scientists and 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 try and look at emotions in in various macro and micro settings so we we are looking at the macro setting when we're talking about business sentiment uh, in general and and looking at decision making what makes someone decide to do something based on their perception um if that if that kind of um it's, it's that kind of difference that that's what we're looking at um so we know that psychology is important in decision making i mean i've done a podcast on cognitive economics um, right. previously, um, which is very interesting. Uh, we are affected by the climate of opinion and a, and a sense of emotion. Um, but how important is business sentiment in economic outcomes, do you think? What our research is showing us um, is that potentially, depending on the time period you're looking at, uh, it can be very important. So economically meaningful and 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 um, significant. So it's not something that can just be pushed to one side as a as a kind of a residual effect that doesn't really matter. At times, it, what we're seeing is it, it can matter uh, quite a lot, um, and and that can affect various different aspects of the economy at different times. What we we see it affect uh, credit spreads. Uh, we see it affect. Um, stock markets. Um, so, so, yeah, there's definitely significance in the impacts on 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 the economy from this uh, from these movements in sentiment. Um, so, you wrote for the IA blog explaining some research that which you co-authored, um, as you mentioned a bit earlier, uh, on the role of sentiment in the U.S. economy between the years 1920 and 1934. Can you explain the hypothesis you were testing in that research? Yeah, in the, in this specific um, application uh, of these ideas, I think there were two main motivations. First, it, it's a very well-known period where people have written about the effect of psychology, both people immediately after uh, the Great Depression and the, and the, uh, the stock market boom of the 20s. And also modern researchers uh, have looked back, uh, trying to trying to investigate these effects. So it's kind of it's kind of a big conundrum this this, this period, um, and and the economic consequences were so large that obviously it's remained uh, a topic of debate for a long time. So so the first motivation was to try and get the the people that had already written about it, uh, and maybe take it one step further um, with, with the techniques that we use. So that was the first. You know, can we see this kind of psychological effect moving the economy in that very well-known period? Um, and secondly, I think it's for the reasons I was kind of saying at the beginning, more researchers in, in, in the modern period uh, are kind of looking at these things. I think the advent of um, digital media, um, both for financial news and, 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 and you know, social, um, social media, have made people more aware of the potential impacts, if you like, of of their not not just their emotions, but their opinions and the news they get. You know, these, these are all important now uh, in the modern period. So, so we were trying to kind of get to whether we could identify some some emotional uh, index from that period um, and and see if it affected the economy. So that was the that was the real kind of 
that's the you know the hypothesis i guess if you if you're asking for that that was what we wanted to see did, did people's emotions really move the economy if so when and and to what extent in the, in that period so that's really interesting how did you measure sentiment because i'm assuming you, for my first question you mentioned that there's polling and surveys i'm guessing in the 1920s they didn't actually do that so in this research how uh, did you measure sentiments yeah i think because there was a lack of um, yeah there certainly are records of what people thought about the economy but i suppose they're they're a bit too sparse if you if you like there's not enough of them to be sort of super reliable so we wanted to use quite a large data set um, and the digitization of the Wall Street Journal uh, from that period and the New York Times, uh, together with the computer um, algorithms that we use, allowed us to, to get at a, quite a large data source um, and, and a reputable one. If you, you know, We kind of know people in the business community would have been reading these things. So, so we, we extract the sentiment from, from the Wall Street Journal. And, and how we do it specifically is counting words, um, but algorithmically over millions of news items. And, and the psychological theory behind those words are two emotion groups. So we're trying to identify two emotion groups. One is approach or, or excitement, and the other is um, avoidance or anxiety. These are the kind of the words are linked to these emotion groups and we look at the balance between them. So, so if you count through, use a computer algorithm to count through them, you can extract this index of the balance of these um, approach avoidance emotions or anxiety excitement emotions. So that's how we, that's how we get the, that's how we, that's how we measure the sentiment. Hmm. And, and, and is, is there a, a casual, uh, sorry, a causal relationship between negative sentiment based on on the on the, the the discourse that you you've measured in the wall street journal um and poor economic performance is there a link there so so as as far as the empirical results go we do find um significant effects economically and statistically robust significant effects that say our index is um kind of a precursor to to economic movements right um but causality is a very difficult thing uh, to establish and i'm certainly wouldn't say that you know i wouldn't draw that from, from from our conclusion um that's not to say that there couldn't be causality it's to say that we are we are not going that far because of the limits of the of the data we have and and the techniques we have so so I would say yes the results are very strong i think people would sit up and take notice of them but but we don't actually get into a causal mechanism in the research yeah we have our ideas about why that's kind of why we did the research in the first place we think that we would find that connection um but the connection is not uh, set out yet it's currently work that we're we're doing in the modern period uh, I, I just want to go a bit off script and mm -hmm. maybe ask can you give a, a few examples of, um, I think from memory, um, it was 150th anniversary of the US Constitution and there was a bit of a buzz 
in the air in, in, in the Wall Street Journal and there was a quite a, uh, an optimistic outlook. You know, was that, was that, um, did that show in, in economic performance? Is that the sort of stuff you were trying to see and test if that was the case? Yeah, so, so, so I suppose one of the questions that, that people would naturally ask is, are, are, you, are you picking up sentiment that is kind of related to the economy anyway? Um, so, you know, questions about which way the causality, if you like, or which, what's the direction of flow? Is the economy causing people to be happy and is happiness moving the economy? These types of questions. And um, the way we, we actually did the empirical investigation was to look at our sentiment index and then essentially strip out the effects of shocks to anything else we could really get our hands on, realistically get our hands on. Uh, in terms of other things that could be moving other parts of the economy. So we have quite a full model, including credit spreads, um, uh, inflation expectations, uh, stock markets, the GDP, uh, industrial output, sorry, not GDP, industrial output, lots of, of variables in there. And we we try and isolate, and I think we have isolated the effect of our sentiment index when you take account of all the other shocks that are occurring, right? So, so, so our sentiment index, net of all the other things that could be doing it, still has this um, strong effect uh, on those same variables. So, so if, you, if you want details, you can you can read the paper. I actually have a, a presentation of it that we could probably link to it, and I talk through this uh, in more detail. Um, but, but the the, the the main the main thing that we see is that these effects are strong, but they are not always occurring. And I think that's another key takeaway from it, that at times, this is very important. Uh, one of the times you, you just mentioned about optimism around the 150th anniversary of the US Declaration of Independence did have a macroeconomic and financial market consequences as, as we see it. Uh, and and we think yes, there are there are going to be times where people are optimistic. You know, it's not to say that it was it was a the wrong thing to be optimistic at that time, but really that's that's not the kind of variable you would expect long term uh, to be to be the kind of thing that drives economic growth forward, right? So so that optimism didn't show up in stock markets. It didn't show up in bond markets but it still sort of had an effect on them, if you see what I mean. Mm. If you were really optimistic, the stock market should also have gone up. You shouldn't have waited for that optimism to then push the stock market up. Does that, does that, does that make sense? Have I explained that? Should yeah, I, I, think, I, think, I think maybe um, one of the questions that I think you may have partially answered, mm. so I apologise if you might repeat no, yourself. That's fine, that's fine. Is, you know... One of the problems is, uh, you know, with any sort of analysis like this is, mm. well, sh could someone not say, well, how can you determine the negative discourse based on this uh, yeah. index that you've you said? Mm. It was not predicated itself on poor economic performance, you know, which came first, the chicken or the egg? You know, it, yeah. it was it not yeah. negative economic performance, which made everyone miserable yeah. instead of vice versa. And, and how do you get around that as a researcher? Yeah, so 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 that's that's really yeah getting to what I think people want to know uh, about the results. 
Um, so, so the way we we set up this investigations empirical work is to, as as I as I was explaining before, um, take account of all the shocks that happen to everything else in the economy, and then look at the sentiment affecting them. So we so we net out their effect, and then only look at what sentiment does in addition to those shocks that are already occurring. Now. Now, in terms of which way does it flow, essentially we're saying, because we look at this at a monthly frequency, if you had a sudden burst of happiness um, you know, at the beginning of the time frame, after one month, we wouldn't expect any effect to be detected by the way we do it. But in that, the second month, if you see what I mean, the one month ahead period, what we see is, um, economic variables like the stock market moving as a result of that sentiment shock, even though we've taken account of the shocks already occurring in the stock market. So stock markets update pretty quickly. And, and if there was some positive economic news came out, let's say they had discovered um, so, some oil wells or, or, or some other you know, positive economic news, that would turn up in the stock market before sentiment had a chance to affect the stock market because we're one month behind the curve. If that if that makes sense, does it does that does that sort of we're taking account of what the economy is doing already, and then we say mm-hmm. what does what does a shock to sentiment do net of what's already happening in the economy? Uh, yes. and that, that's a very difficult test to pass. Yeah, mm. we, you know, we tried to really make it as hard as possible for this to work because you, you don't really want to kind of delude yourself, you know, deliberately when you do this kind of research. You want to make it as hard as possible for it to work because it's kind of a, it's a controversial thing in economics. And, and so we wanted to be very rigorous uh, about how we did it. Um, now, the, the original question you asked um, about the the reverse flow what we do obviously see and we, we we show that in the appendices to the research we've done is that yes the movements in the economy are obviously going to have a knock-on effect to sentiment um but the way we set up the test again control for that we eliminate that as 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 part of our final results if you see what i mean so 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 we show that if you read in the appendix you can see those other effects you know the, the the knock-on effects, if you like, from from the real economy back into sentiment, but but we take account of those. Um, so so the the final results you see are, you know, they're not being caused by that reverse causality kind of argument. Hmm. So taking this on board, hmm. what can we learn from this research uh, in light of our current economic turmoil? Is a lot of this psychologically manufactured if we were all just a little bit more happier or maybe the sentiment around our lives at the moment was a bit more cheery would the economy be performing perhaps a little bit better you know or 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 is that not is that not the case um that's a really deep and very interesting question and and that's certainly something um that people think um, you know, is can you use this to to make things more optimistic? Would that have an effect? I myself am quite cautious about. I don't think the research is anywhere near that kind of stage. 
Um, so I'd be I'd be kind of cautious um, about that. We really don't know enough to to. Uh, it, this is my opinion, but I don't think we know enough to start meddling with it. If you see what I mean, I think the first stage is really to to understand that these effects are there. Um, and you know, th there's nothing to say that these effects are necessarily wrong. If you see what I mean, I'm not saying people are irrational. Uh, our research doesn't get to that far, but what we certainly know is people's emotions seem to have effects. Why they have those emotions might be part of something much more complicated about their reasoning, about how they look at uh, the future. So, so uh, I don't think the research is quite there yet um, to, to be going that far. I, although I understand your point, I've seen people say that before. We can try and manufacture happiness to get people's, you know, animal spirits up and so on. Um, that's that's not, not something. To, we're not going to apply everyone with laughing gas to boost the stock. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, maybe it would work, but what are the knock-on effects? You know, it, 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 that's a very, you know, that's that's a much more complicated question, a very good one. I think it's something that people are keen on this area uh, to think about, you know, to think about it. I'd also say that um, what's encouraging, as I said before, like the work on uncertainty that's being done, I think it's important that these kind of ideas are uh, discussed and probably more research is done on them. I think they're important. How important, we don't know. So there's lots of open questions um, about it, but I certainly encourage encourage people to you know who are interested in this stuff to to read that that kind of research um and if they go into research themselves if they're doing projects on it to look at these kind of these kind of factors dr ali kabiri that's all we've got time for thank you very much for that fascinating discussion um i have linked all the articles that i uh, blog which uh, Dr. Kabiri has written for the IA and the academic paper in the show notes of this podcast, so you can read them there. Um, to our listeners, thank you very much for joining us again. I hope you will join us again next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the IA podcast on Podbean, Spotify, or Apple. We also upload our podcast on our YouTube channel. IEA London. If you want to help contribute to the IEA's digital output, please support us on Patreon, where you can benefit from exclusive membership perks whilst helping us continue to produce stimulating educational output. To become an online patron, click the link in the show notes.